Thank you so much. Please take your seats. Bless you. Well, it's a real joy to be with you here uh, this afternoon. A warm, you know, thank you to Joseph, Pastor Joseph, for inviting me. And uh, we're just, uh, I'm just so excited to be with you. I feel it's a significant time uh, within the life of your churches and uh, with what God is doing with you. So um, excited to be with you. I've just uh, come in from South Africa on uh, Tuesday. And we've been having an amazing time there. Seeing many come to the Lord, many healings, many miracles, and uh, it's just a privilege. So I just want to pray together and want to get into the Word of God and pray that the Holy Spirit will just touch every one of our hearts and lives. The Lord has got so much more ahead for each and every one of us than we can even begin to imagine. Can I say amen to that? I hear an amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your presence amongst us here today. We thank you that your Holy Spirit is here. We thank you that your words are life and power. They are life and health to all of our flesh. Father God, I pray for an impartation of your Spirit, an impartation of faith into every one of us, that Lord, that today the potential that is ours in Christ may be realized in each and every one of our lives. Father, we thank you that you have, Lord, you have formed us in Christ. You've made us new creations. And Lord, you have a destiny upon each of our lives. Father God, I pray that today let faith arise in every heart to rise up and to take hold of that which you've created us for in Christ. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I love the title of this conference, The Outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You couldn't have a better title for a conference than that. That's the, it's the days that we're living in. You know, when you think about it, in the, in the Old Testament, you know, the Spirit of God primarily came on prophets, priests, and kings. And then we see even under the ministry of Jesus, you know, the Gospels are still under the Old Covenant until the resurrection of Christ and the presentation of his blood in the holiest of all, where he paid the price for the sins of the whole world, amen. And the new covenant was inaugurated. But Pentecost changed everything. Even under Jesus' ministry, the ministry of the Spirit was localized. Was wherever Jesus went, the Spirit of God was moving and there were miracles and lives were changed. And then we see he sends out the 12 and gives to them of the Spirit that's on him. And the ministry is multiplied. Then he sent, gives of the Spirit upon him to the 70. And again, the ministry is multiplied. But when the Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is being poured out on all flesh. On all flesh. What a transformation. And so that the gospel could go out to the ends of the earth and the nations be one to God. Amen. Through Christ. And so you and I have a part to play you know, every single one of us has a part to play in this. This is the outpouring of the Spirit for every one of us. It is the anointing that destroys the yoke. Isaiah prophesied that, didn't he? Isaiah 10, 27. And so I believe this is a significant conference for you. It's not just a nice title, a nice idea to kind of have a conference on this subject. I pray that during these days, there will be such an impartation of the Holy Spirit upon you that will thrust you forward with power into the new season of God for your life and for your churches. To make an impact on your community, on the people within your circles of influence and anywhere that the Lord sends you. Because it's not by might or by power, but it is by my Spirit, says the Lord. Amen. 
And so the Lord is wanting to bring an acceleration. Even as I declare it to you, I see a wind of the Holy Spirit propelling you forward into new territories, into new zones, into new areas. And you know, for some that may be a little uncomfortable because the Lord's gonna kind of shake your comfort zone a little to move you forward into new things. But if you'll say, Lord, I give myself to you, empower me afresh, fill me with your Spirit, grant me new anointing, new power for a new day. I believe that you'll find fresh boldness, fresh faith. Amen? Amen. And so faith comes by hearing the Word, but faith also comes by a deposit of the Spirit in our hearts, by the grace of God. And so I'm praying that the Lord will do such a work in our lives today. I really want, by God's grace today, to build your faith. Amen? Amen. To build your faith through testimony in the Scriptures, and then after that, I'm gonna pray for an impartation of the Spirit and the healing. I don't have very long with you. This is my last meeting of the year before I go on holiday. And, uh, and actually, the thing about, I, I thank God I have a very gracious wife. We were booked to go away on holiday today. And then Joseph's invite came in. And, uh, and when it came in, uh, my wife and I looked at each other. <laughs> and we said, what do you reckon about this? <laughs> and, uh, but we prayed and we felt the Holy Spirit was in it. As uh, you know, and so because of that, uh, you know, I'm I'm blessed. I have a wife who was a missionary, you know, before um, before we got married, and um, you know, thank God she was even thinking of becoming a nun at one time, you know. And thank God my dad was a pastor, and he knew my affection for her, and persuaded her and said it would be a terrible waste. And so, so thank God, <laughs> thank God that didn't happen. Instead, we got married. Praise the Lord. But anyway, here we are. So we felt the Holy Spirit was in this. And I, and I believe that there's going to be an impartation. Even in the short time I have together, I'm praying for an impartation of the Holy Spirit, you know, to break into new territory by faith. There's an apostolic call and anointing upon this ministry, upon Joseph, upon the leadership here, to break new ground, to establish new ground for the kingdom of God. And so in that, you know, that apostolic call, innate within the apostolic call is the power for signs and wonders. It is. And so, you know, this breakthrough, it is a, it's a breakthrough for the gospel. It's a breakthrough for the power of God. And my goodness, our generation today needs that, desperately needs that. And so, um, so we're going to pray for that. And, and of course, it is power with purpose. It's not power just to have goosebumps and, you know, experience a wonderful time. But it's power to transform our lives that we become transformative, you know, carriers of the presence and power of God into society to truly be salt and light. And I want to start this message actually with a testimony that's not a Christian testimony. It's actually, but it is one that impacted me a few months ago. And uh, as I was reading it, I feel it's very relevant for all of us to consider the reality of where our lives are going. Where are our lives headed? How do we use our time? The Bible says to redeem the time because the days are evil. And so that means to make the most. Modern translations say, make the most of every opportunity, knowing that the days are evil. And so, of course, time is ticking away. There's two different words for time in the Greek language. One is chronos, the other is kairos. Chronos is, if you like, calendar time, looking across a whole year. Kairos is like a diary appointment, you know, in your diary. It's a moment in time. And so when the Bible talks about now is the day of salvation, in Greek, the word is not chronos. It's not endless grace and endless opportunity to get right with God. It's now. 
when you hear the gospel. Now, respond now. When God's moving you into a new season, He's not saying, do it when you're ready. He says, now, and I'll, I'll sort out the rest as you respond. Amen? Rarely does the Lord call you when you're ready. Many times in His grace, He prepares us by the Spirit in advance and tells us things to come. But many of us are not so quick and sharp off the ball that we actually start preparing, and we should do. And then suddenly when the season changes, we find keeping our head just above the water. Anybody else ever been there? <laughs> so, but I want to encourage you, if you're hearing now, it's the time to prepare and get ready for a new season. It's going to be a whole lot easier for you in the new season if you obey the prompt now. Okay? So it is a new season the Lord's taking you into. So let me just read this testimony to you. How many of you have heard of the Nobel Peace Prize? Most of us have heard about that. But I, I wasn't so aware of the history of its founder. And recently I heard its history, the history of the founder, Alfred Nobel. It's quite uh, impactful when you actually hear his story. So Alfred Nobel lived between 1833 to 1896 and is best known for the Nobel Peace Prize. Less well known is the fact that Alfred Nobel also invented dynamite. As well as a chemist, an engineer, and an innovator, he was a weapons manufacturer. In 1888, Alfred's brother Ludwig died. A French newspaper erroneously published Alfred's obituary. It condemned him for his invention of dynamite stating, the merchant of death is dead. <laughs> Dr. Alfred Nobel, who became rich by finding ways to kill more people faster than ever before, died yesterday. Alfred Nobel was devastated by the foretaste of how he would be remembered. His last will and testament set aside the bulk of his estate to establish the Nobel Prizes. He gave the equivalent of 250 million US dollars to fund such prizes. Alfred Nobel had the rare opportunity to evaluate his life near its end and to live long enough to change that assessment. Have you ever wondered what difference your life might make? How can your life bring blessing to others? How can you change the world for the better? How can your life be of ultimate lasting value. Brothers and sisters, our, the chronos of our lives is made up of thousands and thousands of kairos divine appointments. And we need to learn to live sensitive to them. The church of Jesus Christ thrives not within her four walls, but when she is distributed by the Holy Spirit as salt throughout our communities to purify, to preserve, to make clean, to bring life and hope and faith and healing and salvation wherever we go. And we do so by the power of the Holy Spirit, by a life of integrity and dependability, by a life that is faithful, by a life that is fulfilled in pursuing the call of God to bring Christ to the world and to make disciples of all nations. Amen? This is what God is calling us to. And so I want to share with us, you know, the great apostle John, thanks so much. The great apostle John began his first letter. You know, John wrote the gospel of John and first, second and third John and the revelations of Jesus Christ. 
And so we find in 1 John 1, verse 1 to 4, he says this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Amen? I'm reading to you from the New King James, just for the guys at the back, if you need to know. Okay. I want to share with you things that I have seen and heard. As God called me, I was, I was a... 17-year-old student in Surrey when Jesus called me to preach the gospel full-time for the rest of my life. I uh, gave my life to Christ when I was four. Um, you know, I was a terrible sinner by the age of four, of course, but, you know, actually the truth is we're all born in sin. <laughs> we all need to be saved. And my mum, thank God, I have a very English dad and an Irish mum. My mum was passionate for Jesus. And, uh, you know, I was born into a Baptist family. And... Um, and you know, mum led all three of us to the Lord. I'm a middle child of an older brother, younger sister. And I can remember at four years old saying to my mum, I want Jesus in here. I didn't understand all the implications of that, but I knew in my heart somehow I needed Jesus in my life. And I said to my mum, I want Jesus in here. And so she led me in prayer. I got down on my knees, I asked Christ into my life and I knew he came in. And then uh, my dad said to me in later years, it took a long time for salvation to manifest. But <laughs> despite that fact, I knew the Lord came into my life. And when I was nine, everything changed in our family because it was the beginnings of the charismatic renewal in the United Kingdom. And uh, my mum was the first one to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, my dad was working for Price Waterhouse as the chartered accountancy firm up in London. And uh, in the days when you still wore a top hat to work, if you can imagine those days. But, uh, you know, and he was very devoted to the Lord. You know, he was a Baptist. He was, uh, you know, loved the Lord. And, and he, they were in church every Sunday and we were in church with them and, and leading Bible studies and youth groups and prayer meetings and all the rest of it. Uh, but mum was hungry for more. And uh, she started saying to dad, well, is this it? And she said, what do you mean is this it? She said, well, it has to be more than this, more than just Bible studies and prayer groups. And she says, you know, I don't know why, there's got to be more than this. And he said, well, look, you know, I, I don't understand what you mean. And she said, well, look, there has to be more. So she began to fast and pray. And all by herself in the bedroom on her knees, she got baptized in the Holy Spirit and started to sing and to shout in other tongues and started to go to these house meetings where, where all of these renegade Baptists were meeting together, you know, wanting more of the Holy Spirit. And gifts of the Spirit were being poured out and God was doing amazing things. And, uh, and my mum would come back from the meetings in tears and in laughter. And, uh, you know, my dad would come back from work in his three-piece suit. And, you know, and he'd say, I don't know why you go to those meetings anyway. You only come back crying, you know. But, but mum was just on fire for Jesus. Uh, and then my dad was invited by a friend of his called Ian Andrews who was also a chartered accountant. And so dad thought he was safe, uh, you know. But Ian Rosemary had recently been baptized in the Holy Spirit in a mighty move of God that broke out in a small hundred-seater hall down in Chard in Somerset, where in that little hall, in one year, more than half a million people went through that hall because of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that was there. 
And my dad got baptized in the Holy Spirit in those meetings and ended up standing on a seat with his hands raised to heaven, shouting and singing in tongues for two and a half, three hours. And Chad being Chad, they just did everything around him. They preached around him. They took the offering around him. And he just carried on, you know. But, but when he came back to Cheam, uh, to Cheam Baptist Church, it, it, was, it, it was not received. I mean, things are very different today. It's amazing what God's done in our nation, isn't it? Everything is so different. And today there's Anglican churches, Baptist churches right across the board that are baptized in the Spirit, moving in the things of God. But uh, in those early days, it was a lot different. Anyway, the long and the short of it is that, um, you know, we had to leave. at the left foot of fellowship rather than the right hand. And, um, and out of that, you know, we, we, we left, and, uh, but a new church was formed and out of the church, other churches came to, to be. Well, I grew up in that environment, and when I was 17, had the joy and privilege of, um, you know, it was a privilege, really. Of, uh, I went to St. John's in Leatherhead, um, so it's a, a public school, and in that school, most of the guys were going to do high-end business jobs and law and politics and all that kind of stuff. I remember when I was 17, taking my first year of A-levels, and they got all of us in a hall like this, and they said, those of you going to, um, to university, go on that side. Those of you going to employment, go on that side. I was left standing in the middle, with this strong sense of the call of God. And in my school, they never called you by your first name. So my, the teacher bellowed down at me and said, what are you going to do with your life, Conrad? I said, I'm going to preach the gospel, sir. He said, you're going to what? I said, I'm going to preach the gospel. He said, I think you need to come to the careers advice office. <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> I was sat down and fed all the details into a computer and but that night, yeah, he arranged that we arranged together. I would see him the next day, where he was going to, to try and you know persuade me not to be a preacher. And um, that night, I, I got on my knees. I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't want to seem to be arrogant to this man. He's trying to help me, but this is a big decision. I ask you to speak to me in a way that's unmistakable. And as I fell asleep, I fell asleep into a vision, and I saw the Lord like I see you, and uh, I saw a vision of the cross. And the Lord was on the cross and he kept saying, healing and salvation must be preached from my cross. And then the vision changed about halfway through the night and I was face to face with the Lord and the cross was to the side. And the Lord turned to me and said, now look and see who's on the cross. I turned and saw myself. I said, I woke up in the morning and uh, I couldn't see it, of course, but I felt like impressions of nails in my hands and my feet. I couldn't talk for 40 minutes and I knew two things majorly. Number one, that Jesus had called me to preach the gospel. And it had to be the full gospel, including healing and deliverance and all the rest of it, that the, everything that Jesus died to provide for us, I need to preach the cross. And secondly, that there was a price to pay. And certainly in the immediate, that meant I couldn't take up the you know, family business and everything else. Instead of that, I had to go out by faith and preach the gospel. And so I ended up working for seven years with a great evangelist called Don Double. And we worked together uh, up and down the country and in lots of different nations uh, with a big 2,000-seater tent up and down England. Saw thousands and thousands come to Christ in this country and then doing mass evangelism overseas. Um, and today we run the ministry. I run the ministry, Mission 24. Um, so it's been 50 nations. and About a quarter of a million have come to the Lord. Hundreds of churches planted and lots of miracles. And, uh, and all to the glory of God. And I really say that. It's, it's utterly the grace of God. But there's so much more to come. And we just so we keep running in the cause of Christ. So just to let you understand something of the heart of this. But you know, we can't do any of this without Jesus. He is our message. He is our life. He is our salvation. In Him we live and move and have our being. It's by His power, by the power of the Holy Spirit that the ministry goes forward for every one of us, regardless of what ministry. Ultimately, there's only one church. Amen? 
There's only ultimately one ministry. We are together, all of us, proclaiming Christ to the world. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we do this. And so we find that, you know, Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke in the book of Acts, after his amazing Gospel where he records the wonderful things Jesus did and taught, by the time he gets to Acts, in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, he says to Theophilus, a friend of his, he says, My dear Theophilus, he said, In my first book, I wrote to you of all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And now he continues everything that Jesus is continuing to do and teach through his church. And as somebody rightly said, the book of Acts is the only unfinished book in the whole of the, of the New Testament because it's still being written today. Amen. Through our lives as we go out to make a difference in the gospel. And so I want to just read to you from Luke chapter 4. If you've got a, um, about this anointing that was on Jesus and he is the head of the church and that anointing is to flow through his body by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can do the same things that Jesus did. Well, I, honestly, when I was uh, just 15 years old, I heard a preacher say these words and they are simple but life-changing words. You are who God says you are. Amen. You're not what your history says you are. You're not what your family alone says you are, your family history. You're not what your past mistakes say you are. You are who God says you are. And you can do what God says you can do. Your identity is in Christ. There's actually only two grounds in, in, in biblical understanding. There's only two grounds you can stand on where identity is concerned. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. So your worldly identity comes from Adam. Your kingdom identity comes from Christ. And when you're born again, you are taken out of Adam and put into Christ because the old man in Adam died. And you've been raised with Christ to newness of life. Amen? Hallelujah. And so God wants you to live out of that new identity. Every time you find that in the New Testament, in Christ, in Him, in whom, you're looking at who you really are. Satan fights that. He contests that with every believer. He wants to try and in your thinking separate you from the finished work of Christ. He wants to separate you from that true identity in Jesus because it's like even secular psychologists say, you cannot consistently behave in a way that is different to what you truly believe about yourself. What you truly believe about yourself, you will ultimately end up behaving like. So if you want your behavior to change, something's got to change up here in the renewal of our minds. We need to think the way Jesus thinks, the way that God thinks, the way about us. Bill Johnson is right when he says, I cannot afford to entertain in my mind any thought about myself that my heavenly Father does not have about me. We live out of that identity and we function in it. You are who God says you are and you can do what God says you can do. John 14, 12 says, He who believes in me, the works I do, he will do also. Amen? And greater works than these shall he do. God has greater works for you to do. Amen? Don't worry about what they are right now. A lot of people get into theological twists about that. I would just want to encourage you, you know, just get on doing what Jesus did. That should keep you busy for a while. And then once you've done that, you know, think about the greater works. But let's have a look at some of these things because Jesus said we'd be able to do that 
on these grounds. Number one, we would be able to do it because we believe in him. And in the Greek, it's a verb, not a noun. So it's talking about a believer who believes in who he is in Christ and who believes in that identity and in the promises of God and is activated in their faith. Amen. So they're acting on the promises of God. They're not passive believers. They're believers who are active. The promises work and manifest in an activated life of faith. That's what they're designed. That's the context they're designed to work in. So they work because of faith. You can do the same things Jesus did and even greater. Secondly, because He's gone to the Father and He represents us before the Father and we represent Him before the world in His name. Amen? And we can do it because on Pentecost, he poured out the Spirit. Amen. Because the works Jesus did, He did by the power of the Spirit. Acts 10, 38. And so this is the thing, is, is having received the Holy Spirit, we can do what He did. And so we need to receive the same power. It's not automatic. It's a gift. Amen. It's not from works. It's a gift. But you have to come and receive the gift. Every Christian needs to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I sense in my heart today that there are some amongst us who need that baptism in the Holy Spirit. And we need to pray for you that you would do so. And some of you are baptized in the Spirit, but you need to remember what that means. Are you living the baptized life? You know, in the New Testament, the, the noun that describes a believer's position, the phrase is, in Christ. But the phrase that describes the believer's lifestyle is walking in the Spirit. So my question to you today is, have you received the power of the Spirit that you might walk in step with the Holy Spirit? Are you walking in the Spirit? Not only in terms of your morality and your lifestyle in that way, but also in the charisma, character and charisma. The ministry of the Spirit in our life should affect both. So it's fruit of the Spirit and gifts of the Spirit and we should be listening and obeying. Responders to revelation. Amen? In life. When we are, everything changes around us. Let's look at this. Luke 4, verse 18 to 90. When, when we look at, um, if you go back to Luke 3, 21 to 22, you find that Jesus was baptized under John's baptism. When it comes out of the water, the Holy Spirit came upon him and then it says in Luke 4, 1, that the Holy Spirit filled him. Then he overcomes Satan by the word of God in his mouth under the, in the temptations in the wilderness. And he returns, verse 14, he returns in the power of the Spirit. Amen. And then he walks into the synagogue and we find in verse 18 to 19 that he says that he picks up the book of the prophet Isaiah. We know it as chapter 61. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it's written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I want you to say this after me because actually this is also descriptive today of his body, the church. So you can take this to yourself today. Amen? Amen. Say it after me. The Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of the Lord is, upon me is upon me because he has anointed me, anointed me to, preach the gospel, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim 
the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. Verse 21 says, He began to say to them, Today the Scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. But when he used the word fulfilled in the Greek uh, language, he uses a word, it's the aorist tense. It's a word that is the same word that is used when Jesus said on the cross, It is finished. In Greek, that word is tetelestai, which means it is finished, complete, and evermore shall be. And Jesus uses the same tense here when he says, he says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. He wasn't saying this anointing is here for today and never will be here again. He's saying this anointing is released today and evermore shall be. Amen. Amen. So brothers and sisters, when you come into Christ and when you receive the Holy Spirit, you enter into this anointing to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to open blind eyes. Jesus, shakalaba, son, it's the truth. So this comes with the Holy Spirit. It's yours, it's mine. We've entered into a destiny. We've entered into an ability that's beyond our own. And you need to believe it. And to live that way, Action, faith without action is dead. Or as the Amplified says, faith without corresponding action. There's many believers who attend all the conferences, read all the books and everything. They're full of faith, but it's dead faith because it's not activated. You need to activate your faith. And then it will produce the promises, the life. Amen? The gospel is good news to the poor and you're anointed to proclaim it. And when we talk about the poor, we don't just mean the physically poor. There are those who are poor in spirit. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be poor in spirit is the recognition that we really have nothing else. We have nothing without Jesus Christ. Amen. To such people, the manifestation of the reign of heaven is their possession. Amen. But the gospel is good news to the poor. And I've had great, a great privilege to minister many times amongst the poor. And I find that miracles flow like water amongst the poor. There's something in the heart of God that is moved for the poor. I can remember preaching the gospel in the Ukraine. We were planting churches, evangelizing, planting churches near to uh, Chernobyl, where there was that horrendous um, you know, nuclear accident. Many, many diseases, much problems, high radiation levels. Anyway, when the first day we went out, we preached on the streets. You know, the Russian government's um, response to that disaster, uh, you know, everybody lost their jobs. And so their response to that uh, was just to give them free vodka, which wasn't very sensible. So a lot of major alcohol problems, major abuse problems in the families, all of that kind of stuff. You can imagine, you know, I, so I stand up, we go into this place, you've ever been there, so these high-rise blocks of flats and, um, you know, and it's a bit like a ghost town and there's nobody around. We went out on the streets and my wife, who, who speaks Russian from her ministry before we were married, um, you know, uh, she was ministering to war-traumatized orphans and widows in Chechnya, she, um, 
she suddenly disappeared around the corner and I wonder where she'd gone and suddenly she comes dancing around with a whole troop of about 30, 40 kids, you know, and uh, it's like the Pied Piper, you know, bringing all of these kids around the corner and we start playing games with them with a big colourful parachute. I take out a guitar and we sing and we dance and we do all this stuff and, and all the kids are loving it and they're giggling and they're smiling and, and suddenly the grandmas and the mums come out and they have tears coming down their cheeks and say, what are you doing with our children? We haven't heard them laugh for years. And we just say, well, they're children. We're just, you know, just playing with them. And uh, anyway, in the midst of all of that, then suddenly the, then the men came out. And the first man came out. He's holding his head. He's drunk with vodka. And he takes a bottle to hit me over the head. And I uh, thank God I got to him before he got to me. Uh, in all the right sense of the word. It was the laying on of hands. But <laughs> that, not that. <laughs> and, um, but anyway, thank God. But, uh, you know, but then the Holy Spirit began to move and there was a woman who came along on crutches and uh, she, was, she was blind with cataracts in her eyes. She was deaf in her ears and she was crippled with arthritis. And, uh, and some of the team gathered around and started to pray for her. And so, as so often happens, she feels this power of God go through her. Her joints like heat burns through her joints. She's instantly healed. She drops the crutches. She starts to dance around. She comes to the evening meeting. We pray for her. The cataracts dissolve and she can see and her ears are opened and she can hear. And she gives her life to Christ. Well, the next day we go out and we're amongst the same people. And as we start to, to gather, I've got a crowd of 40, 50 people around me as I start to preach the gospel. And just as I'm starting, to preaching here comes mama and she walks down I tell you what the crutches are gone everything else she's a big Russian babushka is what they call them over there and she comes and she takes over she stood in front of me and uh, yeah that was it I mean I couldn't see anything else but she, she and she, she didn't ask for permission she just took over and you know and she said to everybody listen to me she says, you all know me. You used to help me down from my, from my flat. She says, you know, I could not see. But then she starts picking out different children. She says, Johnny, I see you have blue eyes. Sarah, I see you have blonde hair. She says, and look at me. She says, I can walk, I can jump. Listen to these people. She says, this is not Western politics. This is Jesus. She said, and listen to them. She says, and you can have what I have too. I thought, wow, she's an evangelist. This is great. So I thought this is no time for three points in the conclusion. I just, so I put my arm around her. I said, who wants the Jesus who's healed mama? Every hand went up, led them to Christ, first church planted. And that church has, that church has gone on. It's a larger church now planted at other churches and fantastic. But you know, the miracle life of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, which is our possession as believers, can break any ground for the gospel it can heal broken hearts and bodies and set people free when nothing else can break through. So many times we're looking for strategies and plans and all of that, and that's fine, but it's the context of the, it's the contents in the box that is the power, not the structure. Amen. You can use a thousand and one structures. It's okay, but don't forget it's the wine, not the wineskin that brings the life. It's the Holy Spirit. Amen? The gospel is life and power. It's the power of God to save. And thank God we've been anointed to proclaim the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. I might just say this, you know, some people are struggling more with pain on the inside than pain on the outside. Some people say that, that you know, emotional pain, mental pain is worse than physical pain. And um, 
it's it's in many ways such a reality. I was asked to preach in a, my hometown of, of, of Cheam a while back, and it was in a, a large Anglican church. And they asked me to do a weekend on the subject of the gospel and the power of God. It was a, it was a weekend where the Holy Spirit really turned out in power. There were uh, many, many solid wooden, you know, what do you call them? Just gone from my head. You know what I mean? Pews. That's the word pew. Yeah. <laughs> pew, not pew. Okay. So, you know, and uh, uh, basically, as it's going like that, they're all, the power of God felt. People were just going under the power of God, left, right, and center, in between the pews, and lives are being changed all over the place. Well, in the middle of all of this, there's a lady sees all these people going under the power of God, and she's standing right at the back, and she doesn't want that to happen to her, so she grabs hold of the pew in front of her, and she says to God, that will never happen to me. Now, that's not a wise thing to say to God. So, you know, the next thing she knows, nobody laid hands on her, nobody prayed for her. The next thing she knows, she's on the floor, and and she simultaneously cries and laughs for 40 minutes. At the end of 40 minutes, she gets up a completely transformed woman. But this is her testimony. I had to wait a few years to hear this. Two years before that night, she had gone into to Sutton, gone into Sutton to go and visit her mum. And her mum was a manic depressive and uh, serious problems. And so she would try and see her every day just to ensure she was okay and wouldn't do something silly to herself. Well, one day she bangs on the door. When she bangs on the door, there's no response. She has a feeling that something awful has happened, so she bangs harder, still no response. With the help of neighbors, she managed to break open the door. But when she gets in, she sees a scene that she would never, we wouldn't wish on anybody. Uh, her mum had hung herself. She cuts her down, but it's too late. She's gone. The trauma of seeing her mum hanging was so profound that even though she was a wealthy lady and came up to the top Harley Street, psychiatrists and psychologists spent many, many hours on their couch trying to, to plumb the depths of the trauma inside of her, she could not get free. Two years, she neither laughed nor cried. But one touch of the power of the Holy Spirit, as she laughed and cried herself to wholeness, in 40 minutes. Jesus can do it. Now look, I'm, I'm, we're not against counseling, thank God. for There's some counseling that won't help you. There's other counseling that will help you. Good biblical counseling will help you. Godly counseling will help you. But let me just tell you, the Holy Spirit is the counselor. And he can put his finger on things in our lives and just set us free in a moment. So as we say to God, Lord, I'm willing. I make a choice. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to, for some of you today, some of you have, in order for you to accelerate in the purpose of God, as the Lord was speaking about prophetically earlier, for you to accelerate in this new season, you've got to settle some things about the past. You've got to do some forgiving. You've got to make some choices. You've got to let go of some stuff so that you can run at the pace that God has for you. Amen? And I want to say this is really key for your freedom so that you can run and run in wholeness. You know, if you don't run in wholeness, so much burnout is not actually caused by the amount of work we're doing, but by the unresolved issues in our soul. And so we have an inner weakness. It's a bit like the foundations of a building. If a building, I don't know if you've done any building, but let me tell you, if the foundations of a building are not properly laid, it doesn't matter how nice that building looks. As it goes, you know, all buildings move. 
That's because the ground moves. And if the foundation isn't properly laid and there's cracks in it, sooner or later that beautiful looking building is going to start to get cracks in the walls and you're going to get trouble and it's going to be unsafe to dwell in. And let me just say this to you, you know, if we don't resolve these foundational issues, forgiving mum, forgiving dad, forgiving that partner, forgiving that person who left, forgiving that person who abused or hurt or whatever, or maybe even a church leader who got it wrong, let me just tell you, church leaders are not perfect. We do our best, but we make mistakes. So please be gracious with us as, as we try to be gracious with everybody else. We need help. And uh, don't say amen too loudly, but we do. We all need help. And so, but let's be a, a community of those who are gracious and forgiving with one another. To love one another as God has loved us. Amen. That should mark us out as different from the world. And we need it. We need the Holy Spirit to help us. But He's our counselor. He's our helper. He'll do it so that we can move forward. Amen. And take new ground and be able to maintain the new ground and be strong in it because we're made whole on the inside by the love and power of God. Amen. So folks, this is it. There is an anointing upon us in Christ to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. And I could, man, we could go a long time on this and time is running out. I don't quite have Joshua's anointing to make the sun stand still yet. I'm working on that one. <laughs> but, but let me just say this to you, that, you know, it's so important that we get free from the things that bind in these days. We could make such a long list. You know, the alcohol, the drugs, most, of the, most guys in churches aren't into that, but pornography is a big one, affecting loads of people. I, I, I just wanna say to you, if you've got issues like that, come on, let's pray for you, let's get free. It doesn't help the church when we don't address the things. We have to address them. And, uh, you know, and have accountability groups, particularly amongst guys. Although I'm pretty shocked today that the stats are of those who are bound by the thing. You know, the stats are something like up in the early 90s for, for, for some guys, but it's down of those who have viewed it. I'm not saying those necessarily who are bound by it, but who viewed it at some point or other in their lives. But actually it's coming up near 82% for the women. I just used to always think of it as a guy's problem. But you know what? It's become a big issue amongst ladies. And let me just say today, we have to face, face it up now. I, I think for a good number of years, whenever that subject was raised in a, you know, in a mixed congregation, probably all the girls would just groan. <laughs> Here we are again, the men with their issues. You know, and, you know, but you know, get fed up with hearing about it. But the issue is now it's affecting the women too and it's becoming pervasive in our society. And guys, look, if we don't deal with the issue, the compromise inside of us will cause us to lose confidence and boldness in sharing Christ with others out there because of a feeling of being compromised and lacking integrity inside. And that's what Satan's after with those sins. He wants to silence the voice of the church by knocking confidence because of secret sins. Can I encourage us, church, to have the humility? We may be afraid of confessing it to another brother, brother to brother, sister to sister. But can I say that when we humble ourselves, we find grace that brings freedom. I want to encourage you to do so. You know, there's so many of these issues. I want Jesus. Jesus can break every chain. Jesus, I love to say, I'm gonna say it again. Jesus breaks every chain. Hallelujah. He wants you free so that you can run at the pace he's got for you. Amen? Recovery of sight to the blind. Listen, all of these things are amazing. Recovery of sight to the blind. There is power in the Holy Spirit to heal. 
Not only the emotional stuff, but the physical stuff too. I, I don't know how many people through the years who've seen deaf hear and blind see and cripples walk and all of that kind of stuff. You know, really, I remember a, a, a woman in Rwanda, a very black African lady, right out in the hills, 5,000 gathered without any advertising. It was, you know, what they call Bush Telegraph, you know, as you know, out in Africa. We're preaching and suddenly a woman looked like you stuck one of these lights on inside of her head. Her face starts to radiate. She comes forward to the front. She grabs the mic. I'm in Rwanda, in Key Rwanda, and she begins to tell a crowd what Jesus has just done for her. And they begin to dance and shout and celebrate in a way that I wish our uh, English churches would get hold of. <laughs> but they were celebrating Jesus. And I, I, didn't, I don't understand Key Rwanda. So I just said, tell me, what's, the, uh, what's she saying? He says, John, it's wonderful. She was totally blind, but she was brought here by friends. And while you were praying over the crowd, suddenly she saw a man dressed in white standing in front of her, and she knew it was Jesus. And a sensation of heat went right through her body, and her eyes were opened and she could see again. That's our Jesus. He's alive. Amen. He's risen. And it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And last of all, it talks about an anointing to also that is... You know, to declare the year of the Lord's favor, nearly all theologians commenting on this say that he's speaking of the year of Jubilee. Jesus is our Jubilee. When you go back to the Israeli, you know, to the Jewish calendar and you find every 50 years they had the, the Jubilee celebration. Well, Jubilee was a year when everything that had been lost was restored. And so this is an amazing thing. And so our God is a God of restoration. And this is the remarkable thing about that. The biblical understanding of restoration is not like our Western understanding of it. Our Western understanding of restoration is to have back everything that you lost. But the biblical understanding of restoration is to have given back to you everything you lost plus the interest accrued as if you had never lost it in the first place. Our God is a God of restoration. And all of this happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to say to some of you today, I'm talking to, there are some who are listening to me today, that you have both done things and had things done to you, taken from you, some things illegitimately, some things with broken relationships, broken marriages, some, some ladies who've been divorced against your will, some have lost deep things, some, some guys even in business have had things taken from you financially and there have been things that have been dishonest and wrong and there have been trickery with the law and all kinds of stuff that should never have happened and you've lost things, things that were your right. And I just want to prophesy to you restoration today. I know I'm saying this by the Holy Spirit and I say to you, God is bringing restoration into your life today. And so, uh, you know, I just, um, I have to say this today. Look, I, I, I want to do two things. Our time is, is running out. And can I just say, it's been a huge honor and privilege just to be amongst you, even just for a short time. I, I am so uh, excited. Bless you. Thank you. I am so excited for your future. I'm so excited for what God is going to do with you because your future is bright. Not orange, as they say, but bright with the promises of God. Amen. And our God is a faithful God. All his promises are yes in Christ Jesus. And we say the amen to the glory of God. So look, I, I, I want to do three things. And it's, uh, it's, it's very simple. These are the three things I want to do. In our next kind of 16, 20 minutes, I want to just do three things. The first thing is this. We've talked about the Holy Spirit. And I want to say this, you know, the Holy Spirit 
is so wonderful. That you think about this, you know, all of us would love to be around Jesus physically, wouldn't we? But the amazing thing is that Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the helper won't come to you. What is it about the Holy Spirit that is so powerful and so significant that Jesus says, it is to your advantage I go away. Otherwise, he won't come. If I was one of the disciples, I would have been, take, I would have been almost chaining him down, saying, you're going nowhere. I want to hang around you, Jesus. <laughs> I don't want you to go. This is heaven on earth. What do you mean you're going? <laughs> and he says, no. He said, it's to your advantage I leave because the helper's coming. I'm sending you another helper. Wow. When he used the word another, the word is alios in Greek and it means this. He's just the same as me, but different. <laughs> Almost seems like a contradiction, but he's saying he will do for you exactly what I would do for you if I was present with you in the flesh. And he comes alongside to help us. He doesn't do it for us. He does it with us and empowers us to do it. So listen, this is for all of us. He's a gift. He's the promise of the Father. Amen? So look, this is given by grace. Uh, I just want to say this. Jesus said the world cannot receive the spirit of truth. So look, you want the great life of the Holy Spirit. You want his life, his fullness, his power, his love, his joy, his peace, his presence in your life, his miracles, his sense of purpose, his, all of that. All, you want all of that. His help in prayer and intercession and all of the great things, his transformative power to make you more like Christ. All of those things in life. We all want that. If you want that, you have to have Jesus first. Amen? So this is the thing. The cross has not only dealt with our sins so that we can be forgiven and have eternal life. And he's risen from the dead. And if you believe it and confess him as Lord, you'll be saved. But you know, this is a, this is a word. We need to turn from sin to God and put our faith in Christ and confess Jesus as Lord. We'll be saved. So I want to just say this right now because I don't want anyone here you know, to get hold of the wrong thing. If you are already saved, you can receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. If you're not saved, you need to get saved first and then receive the Holy Spirit. So is there anybody here? I know this is primarily a gathering for the saved, but is there anyone here who is not sure that they're going to heaven or you know you've gone away, you've not been living really 100% for Jesus and you're saying, I need to come running back to the Lord. I, I mean it. I'm giving myself back to Him. I'm running back to the Father. Is there anybody here like that here needs to say that? Just put your hand up quickly. Be delighted to pray for you. Anybody? Okay, no, okay, I just have to be clear about that. Okay, is that genuine for yourself? Okay, is, is that a first time or a recommitment of your life? It's a recommitment of your life to the Lord, wonderful. Hey, that's great. Can I have a, a sister here from one of, the, one of the leader's wives or some sister? You could pray for her. Just please pray for this lady. Bless you, love. Fantastic. That's great. You know what to do, don't you? You know what to do. Bless you. That's great. Now look, what I'm going to do is this. If you are not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit and you say, John, I want this, or maybe even you say, actually, John, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit years ago, but I've not been walking in the Spirit. I've not been doing very good at staying full. <laughs> you know, if you want to stay full, you have to steward the Holy Spirit in your life. Praying much in tongues, becoming a worshiper, be a word and spirit person, amen? 
Stay full of God. You know, if you've not been living like that, and you say, you know, I, I am thirsty. I want more. I want to stay full. Or maybe you say, I don't speak in tongues yet. I want that. If you're like that, would you like to stand up? And we're just going to pray for you right now, right where you are. Anybody like that? Okay, just stand up. I'm going to pray for you. Okay, great. So anybody else? You say, I, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I want to get released in tongues. I want to be filled with the power of God afresh. Yeah, like that, okay. Now look, what I want you to do is those around, this is going to be body ministry here, all right? For the sake of time here. So I want every one of you who, if you, two or three people around the people who are standing up, just to stand up by them and lay hands on them. And listen, for those of you who want this, put your hands out like this to the Lord. Put your hands out like you're receiving a present from Him. I want you to pray a prayer with me. Pray a prayer with me, Okay. And once I pray, you pray this prayer, we're going to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then I want you to open your mouth and to step out by faith and speak out and trust God to give you words that you have not learned. This is a Holy Spirit given gift and it's for you. All right, it'll build you up, it'll edify you, it'll make you strong. But you've got to take a step of faith to speak and then the Holy Spirit will give you the words. Here we go. Say this after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for saving me. Lord, I ask You to fill me now with the power of Your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, I'm thirsty for more of You and I want to tell the world about You. Fill me now with the power of Your Spirit. In the name of Jesus, I receive You, Holy Spirit, right now. In Jesus' name. Now, receive Him. Just receive Him right where you are. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. Filled with the Holy Spirit now. Be filled with the Holy Spirit right where you are in the name of Jesus. And open your mouth and speak out. Lord, release new tongues in the name of Jesus. Release new tongues. Release your power. Release fresh anointing upon each and every one today in the name of Jesus. Your anointing, your power to flow into each one. Fill each one in the name of Jesus. Fill each one, Lord God. Let the fire of your spirit come on each one. Let the fire of your spirit burn in the heart of each and every one in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your spirit to break bondages right now. Oh, Jesus, we bless you. We worship you. We thank you for freedom. We thank you for infilling, empowering today in Jesus' name. Receive the Holy Spirit. Come, Lord. Fill each and every one. Fill each and every one. In the name of Jesus. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We honor you, our God. You are our King. Lemesia la mande. Ramalamashe la varianda la masia la mande. Hallelujah, Lord. You speak in tongues already. Let's stand and worship Him. Ramalamariandalaso. 
Let the wind of your spirit blow. God, our King, we worship you, we honor you. You are the Lord. You are the Lord. Holy, holy, holy. Even as we worship, I know that the Lord is touching and healing people today. There's somebody who has a perforated left eardrum, and God is touching you and healing you now. Be healed in the name of Jesus Christ, right where you are. Be healed in Jesus' name. Somebody has a condition, I believe, against your left lung. You suffer particularly with asthma, with a leftover of something of pneumonia or pleurisy, something of that nature that kicked all that off. But I see the Lord bringing healing to that damaged lung. Be healed in the name of Jesus Christ right now. A gentleman who has a prostate condition, be healed in the name of Jesus now. There's a lady with a lump on the breast. I command it to dissolve in the name of Jesus. Be healed now. Somebody that the top part of your spine going into your neck. I see you had a car accident, a sort of whiplash condition. As you damage it there, there's a little bit of scoliosis. I speak to it. I command it to straighten now. In the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. Totally healed. Straighten out. Let all the vertebrae come into alignment now. And all inflammation go down. Be healed in Jesus' name now. When I spoke about the cataract, there's someone I believe is your left eye of the beginnings of a cataract, and I command it to dissolve now in the name of Jesus. Someone else has been struggling a bit in their mind, a kind of confusion. I speak peace, a divine order into your thinking today. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Jesus, we love you, Lord. The splendor of the king clothed in majesty let all the earth rejoice let all the earth rejoice he wraps himself in light oh and darkness tries too high and it trembles at his voice it trembles at his voice how great how great is our God sing with me how great is our God and all will see how great how great God, yes, O oh Lord, and age to age, and age to age, 
Jesus. Lift your up today. And tireless hands, beginning at the end, beginning at the end. The God had three and one. The God had three and one. Yes, you are the Lord, oh Father, Spirit, Son. You're the Lion and the Lamb. You're the Lion. Spirit, Son, the Lion and the Lamb, the Lion and the Lamb. How great, how great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. Oh, we'll see how great, how great is our God. Let's worship our God. Thank you, Father. We lift you up. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word that is life. We thank you for healing and restoration. We thank you that your Holy Spirit leads, reveals. Father, may we be doers of your word and not just hearers. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Thank you, Father. Let's give the Lord a round of applause one more time. Amen. You may be seated. Just a couple of housekeeping announcements for the next part of the day. 
um, we'll be serving lunch between quarter past two and three o'clock today. We're going to have to change the program slightly just to allow for the overlap. If you would like to purchase lunch, in the gym there is lunch for sale. There's jollof and fried rice, there's banku and okra stew, and there's fried rice, and I think it's with beef or chicken, and there's salad. But you can you can buy that yourself in the gym, which is just through these double doors, and it's signposted. That's the first thing. So say to your neighbour, 2.15 till 3. 2.15 till 3. Say it with conviction, 2.15 till 3. Please, 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 please do not bring food into this hall because we're not allowed to have food in here. There's the lovely outdoors and there is seating available in the gym as well where you can have your lunch. Okay, so the second thing is there are three workshops where we've had to change the location. So if you are booked in for the Business Sense workshop, say 